Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. And then every time I sit down, I'm like, oh, wait, my work is watching an episode of Star Trek. Right? It's nice Life to have the little. Life is so hard. Right? <laughs> I know, what a whiner I am. No. Yeah. I wrote that in my journal. <laughs> I'm Jake's grateful for Jake being such a whiner. That's, that's the entirety of the entry for November 10th. <laughs> that's the only entry for the entire year. Boy, she didn't get far in this journal. <laughs> this was her re- most remarkable event. Your kids are opening this up years after your death. They're like, who's this? <laughs> he was such a whiner, though. <laughs> let's do a podcast about Star Trek. Yeah, let's. Yeah. But this wasn't even a, a, this was barely an episode of Star Trek <laughs> about Star Trek. <laughs> right. This was such a weird one. The Royale. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like this was a script that um, maybe in the pitch meeting they were going around the table and they were like, all right, what do you got, Roger? And Roger's like, oh, no, I forgot we were supposed to pitch today. <laughs> uh, and he like, looks down in his bag and he sees like he has a mystery novel. He's like, the Royale. <laughs> I can actually tell you why this episode was made. Oh, okay, so Todd Matthews had a terminal disease and his make a wish was for someone to turn <laughs> His novel that only had five book sales in all of the contiguous United States. Um, And he wanted that turned into a Star Trek episode. And his cousin, Gene Roddenberry, (laughs) made it so. Well, and you can really tell the love because they often trash how bad the novel is. I was going to say, so in this theory, his dying wish involves him being mocked for 90% of the episode. (laughs) Well, his cousin was always kind of a bully. Yeah, Ah, that's true. That was also, it was in his gratitude journal. You could see it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's the truth. Put it in memory alpha. You're welcome. Well, speaking of diaries and weird stories, it's the Royale, where the Enterprise investigates the wreckage of a 21st century Earth spaceship orbiting a distant planet and its appearance of a casino? Mm Mm-hmm. Look, people in space want to gamble too (laughs) I was going to say that this is the classic Trek episode But it's not a classic Trek episode Like this is pretty forgettable (laughs) Yeah It's a trash episode (laughs) Just like Todd Yeah, because there was a a good way to do this And this was not it (laughs) I shouldn't speak ill of the dead like that I'm sorry, Todd (laughs) Oh, yeah, it was his deathbed (laughs) Why, what could have made this better? Because that's what I like to do when we see the episodes That we don't really like too much Is to, like, speculate Mm -hmm. about what we could have done to fix it Do you have an idea? Let's ask Grabin from a Lubbock Texan Yeah, that guy was the worst (laughs) Creep but this was essentially a holodeck episode, but just off, off of the ship. So there are a lot of ways to make that better. We've seen it before, like the gumshoe episodes with uh, with Picard or the um, Sherlock episodes with Data and Jordy. Like you can take something with this weird context and still tell a good story. And just by saying that the book is bad doesn't excuse <laughs> you telling a bad story. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're trapped inside a bad story, so we can't help that this episode sucks. Sorry. 
I did like that there was a clue to be found, and then they found it, and they read it, and they said, okay, let's do it. Bye. Right. Right. Um, You know what I liked when they talked about proofs, mathematical proofs in the opening scene? I wrote that down, too. I love proofs, and I miss proofs. And even though this is geometry and not calculus, the day I took my very last calculus class, I went to a party, and I got really drunk, Mm -hmm. and I uh, found this guy who tutored math. And I was like, I'm never going to take another math class again. And I'm really upset about it. And Joey promised to give me tutoring in math, um, but I never followed up. So, Joey, if you're out there, I'd love to do some math tutoring. Miscalculus. The way you (laughs) introed that story was like, I was expecting like, boy, this time in college when I got super drunk. And I was like, wait, this is a mathematical proof story that has intrigue? Right. It's it's a tutor you stood up. (laughs) I I thought it was going to be like, oh, I went to my calculus class, blasted, and aced the test. It turns out I'm a mathematical genius when I have vodka. Oh, well, that's true, but weed. Oh. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I aced everything in math. I'm I'm really good at math. Everything I'm bad at that involves speaking and attention, uh, the opposite (laughs) is true when it comes to math. All of the magic the gathering is suddenly clicking into place and making sense in my head. The mana symbols just come together. Yeah. Uh, Fermat's, oh. Fermat's last theorem is the um, little puzzle that Picard likes to do in his spare time. Is that what he says? It like helps him relax is to think of a mathematical proof? Yeah. Some people do Sudoku. Oh, he, he finds solving the equation stimulating is what he said. Yeah. Uh, interestingly. Oh, and he's also into archaeology. So we're getting some facts about Picard. He's smart. New hobbies. New hobbies. He just like throws proofs at the wall just for fun. He's like, man, I can't figure this out. Well, I'm going to go do some advanced algebra. Um, this is actually a – so this – episode was made in 89 i believe and then it turns mm. out that this theorem was uh was unproven at its uh during the writing of this episode but then in like 93 or 94 it was solved uh-huh. so uh i what i read on memory alpha is that a deep space nine episode actually comes back and addresses this issue and mentions that there oh, nice. uh, might be multiple answers for it and stuff Ah. So, so, yeah, a mathematician figured it out in the 90s. Sick. <laughs> well, it's, I was wondering about this episode, too, because there's the play proof, and I wondered if that had anything to do with it, because that was right about the time that it was getting uh, Tony, I think, uh, consideration. Uh-huh. You, uh, it's so funny how theater kids we are, because I think all three of us thought of proof, which is our, yeah. our probably our most co- – well, maybe Becca didn't, but since she's such a uh, – Right. Math. Yeah. Weed-based Theater math kids can make fun of the math kids. <laughs> of course we did. Well, it's because proof is only two-person scenes for the most part. Mm-hmm. Really great for acting class. Yeah, that's exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was yeah. just going to say mm-hmm. that. Uh, Katie and I did a competition in college where we did a proof scene, and I really was like, everybody's doing proof scenes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because then Meryl Streep did a movie. <laughs> I mean, it's been a couple mo- – have a couple people done that movie? Oh, yeah. Was it Meryl Streep? Maybe. I thought no. maybe not. Oh, don't. Uh oh. It's like a young woman, isn't it? Isn't it like Kate? Uh, Kate Winslet. Maybe. You theater nerds. <laughs> I'm googling it. Oh, I'm thinking of Gwyneth Doubt Paltrow. with Meryl Streep. This Street. is a very different film than Doubt. Also a <laughs> one-word Tony Award winner, so maybe that's why. Also different from uh-huh. Hair. Also different from Grease. All <laughs> <laughs> hmm. of those are musicals, the and I'm very fundamentally opposed to bringing them. Up I would love if most of this episode you just kept trying to compare it to Doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh. 
So when the nun becomes the shut-in yeah. to try and solve her father's math equation. And that's why the astronaut was together. also shut in his room. It made sense. Oh, my gosh. There's an astronaut in this episode. Hey, where do we even start with this episode? Where do we start Find with this episode? A, a nice, uh, where we start, like, look. doesn't end up where we end, right? Like, Not at we all. We start out in space, and we found, like, a debris of – actually, we found out we're, we're near a planet. The Klingons have detected some weird anomaly near the planet, and we're going to go investigate. Mm-hmm. This planet has very harsh conditions. There's ammonia tornadoes. Is that what Jordy said? Nasty. <laughs> yeah, he did say nasty. <laughs> so adequately represented in a black void with uh, a swirly yellow ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> That's ammonia. Um, and we discover a piece of space debris, which we uh, transport onto the ship and dun-dun-dun. It's a 1980s NASA logo. NASA? How did it get to this remote corner of space? Americans in that time did not have the ability. <laughs> mm-hmm. We we learn later in the episode when we find the astronaut's um, lapel or like his badge on his shoulder that it's mm-hmm. from the 2030s or something like that. Um, because- I'll tell you exactly when it's from and why it's important. Okay, where where uh, in. Somewhere between the years of 2033 and 2079 AD, because there was 52 stars mm. on the flag, and that's when DC and Puerto Rico get statehood, baby. <laughs> that's literally 1933. We only got 13 more years to wait. That's the exact same thing I wrote. I was like Puerto Rico and DC. <laughs> that's Yay! so funny. Which is like 2033 <laughs> is pretty years. close now, so I yeah. that's actually not <laughs> that's a bad so prediction. Far, though. I know it feels this far year, for us. It could happen this yeah, year. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I know personally I want it to happen now, but like it's like this this feels like it's 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 pretty damn close. That's pretty amazing. We could have a whole other Trump administration <laughs> in that time. This is terrifying. And I think they're probably right because they have foretold the future before. Mm-hmm. And yeah. iPads. <laughs> the iPhone. <laughs> uh the Apple Watch, yeah. Okay, well uh so yeah, so Oh we- sponsored by Apple this episode. <laughs> yeah. So we go down to the – actually, so we, we discover this debris is here, and uh, after uh, looking through the debris, we discover that there's a structure on the planet that we didn't notice before. And there's no reason for that structure to be there. We're not even really sure how it survives, but uh, it's very dangerous down there in terms of, like, the cold. It's actually – I think Jordy says it's, like, negative 200-something degrees Celsius, which is below zero. And I didn't think there was an absolute zero, but it turns out there is. They're theoretically possible. So you it's could just – on a plane of methane. Right, Which right. is, as far as my notes go, pig farts? <laughs> well, it is a, an occurring gas outside so, of organisms. Are you saying you have a series of notes that say methane is methane. pig farts? <laughs> My mental notes. Oh, mental notes. Okay, good. Farts. So you didn't write that yeah. down and just put that on the wall no. somewhere. Okay, good. Um, I Methane is a gas that comes from a variety of sources. Uh, <laughs> amongst those, yes, farts. Sure. It feels like a textbook. <laughs> <laughs> what? So they. I feel like I'm being gaslit again. What's happening? With methane. Um, so they decide that okay. I've sniffed too much ammonia cloud in a sensory deprivation chamber. They decide that well, I guess the best option is to beam down. And like that seems to be Obviously. Picard's thing, or that seems to be Riker's thing when where they're like, well, suggestions. Riker's like, well, we can go on an away team. 
Mm-hmm. Stick me in it, bro. Stick me, me in it. In I can there. go in there. Tag me in. Let me get in there. Well, they're stuck on the ship all the time, and especially with Riker's personality, you can see that he wants to get out there and adventure. It's Riker has two you know, answers, which are either let's arm weapons or let's go down and investigate. Mm-hmm. Or fuck it. <laughs> Why those not are the, both? So those are kind <laughs> yeah. of the same thing. Yeah. You know what? I just realized Riker has incredible restraint in this episode. Not once did I think horny on Maine. Uh, there was a time. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, oh, all right. <laughs> I didn't notice mm-hmm. it either, Becca. I was like, yeah, he... Or maybe not. He didn't... Uh... It was more of like uh, the... I felt the competition between him and the gross Texas guy over... Yeah, it was just some weird macho thing going on, but it it got weird. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when you're from Lubbock, Texas, you just gotta grab some ass. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Pay for, uh, pay for the ladies' meal. You know what I mean? Did he say you just gotta grab some ass? I missed that. He no, did but it. He kept. He kept. She. She would make a face like something was pinching. Um, a, a, yeah. A pinching. Mm-hmm. A pinching face. Yeah. Not cool. Ten gallon. Mm. Uh, well, we. We go. We beam down. It's a black void with a ceiling of methane, and there's a nice little revolving door <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Right? I feel like they charge for this room in LA. <laughs> yeah, like and like I would it's do a seventy dollars for twenty minutes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant by sensory deprivation chamber. <laughs> right. Bougie women pay for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people. I mean, I think it's reflective of Xander, of a low budget for this episode because, like, I think they were just like, okay. Let's just make it black if we don't have the budget to make a set for the planet. Mm-hmm. They've got this casino set. Uh... <laughs> and, like, it still feels like a TV casino set, unfortunately. It doesn't have, like, a huge amount of depth to it. But, like, they, they did a they did a pretty good job of at least populating it for the most part. These TV shows that are, are crowded parties always feel a little forced, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I will say that, yeah, they did fill it with, with those extras, but the dealers that they got were the most lackluster people. They were like, a seven. Oh, we yeah. got to go again. It's so, not like, a very lively place. Ever, no. I don't know. Have you ever sat at a table in a casino in Vegas? Because that's how the this, dealers are. So that's are. true. Yeah, that's true. I went to true. Vegas last year, and there's just this sort of like mechanical, because you can't show any preference for one player over yeah. another. You have to be very impartial. And Wow. They got quick fingers, let me tell you. Maybe they got real dealers. <laughs> they could, they could have. The one, th- actually, they probably did when they were hiring for extras. They probably say have dealer experience, and then so I mean, it's easier. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a bit bigger skill to be a dealer than it is to be an extra. So they were probably dealers who weren't extras. So they probably weren't knowing to act. But like, right. I, I used to. I worked in a casino briefly out of college. I worked in the cage, and so like, what is the cage? It's where the money and the chips get exchanged, like the cashier. Oh, I thought that was the name of the casino. (laughs) (laughs) I was in the cage in the corner dancing. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's what I pictured. (laughs) Uh, Jake and go-go boots. The the energy of a casino is about right with what they are because it is a depressing place, especially Mm -hmm. card rooms like that because people generally lose their money, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Also... Uh, in terms of like dealers showing preference, one thing I learned there is the dealers are always gunning for the players to win against the house because guess how they make tips when the players win. So they're yep. always mm. wanting the players to win. But like in a in a game where the dealer is impartial against people who are playing against each other, that's definitely true for sure. Yeah, I sat at a game of Pi Gow, which is like baby poker uh-huh. <laughs> for a couple hours spending um, 
uh, spending my friend's money because he was like, hey, yeah, you go. Here's here's my chips. Don't lose them all. Spoilers. Lost I lost them all. All. <laughs> and there was a guy sitting next to me who was this Lubbock, Texas guy. Uh, he was like teaching me the ropes and like, hey, how about you spin my chip? Touch it for good luck. It was like, ooh. okay, dude. <laughs> the, uh, people, are, people are so superstitious like that. Like, I think legit. this is an accurate representation. It character. really is an accurate representation of like a casino sleaze for sure. Well, I also wanted to bring up too, when conventions were still a thing, a big Star Trek one is Star Trek Las Vegas. And so people just descend on the city of Las Vegas and everybody's like in uniform from different eras and their <laughs> alien makeup and stuff like that. Uh, and you'll walk through uh, just uh, that whole weekend and see this scene playing out <laughs> and those people are at the same time like oh my god we're playing out season two episode 12 right right and meanwhile the guy from texas just like these these foreigners and they're like yes 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 call us foreign investors yeah if you will. everybody thinks they're data and they're gonna beat the house too and none of them do. no you just have to squish the dice into being properly weighted to land on 11 and you're good there you go <laughs> So we get inside. We find this this uh, uh, B level uh, casino, and um, there's oddly no life signs there. So it is what? some type of like simulation, but not. It's tangible. People are there. They can feel a wall. Mm. <laughs> so they start looking for. They start looking. They start. But they uh, can't they, shoot they check through it. At the front. What's that? They can't shoot through said wall. Phasers don't work here. That was the most like. <laughs> Like, Worf is supposed to be kind of the br blunt uh, instrument in a lot of these scenes, but that was mm -hmm. the silliest justification of Worf finding an exit where he went up to a load-bearing wall. He's like, mm, and just starts <laughs> pushing it. Like, you don't push a wall, Worf. You've never done that. What is going on? I was like, is he going to find a secret? And I was like, no, no, that's just a wall. That's the culmination of this. And then he's going to shoot it, and wood won't disintegrate. Okay. This is a good use of our time. <laughs> I think the assumption is that it's a hologram because right. that's what they've encountered in the past. But even hard light would simulate a wall, Worf. I, I don't know what yeah. the, the goal was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. What's, the, what's the plan here? Oh, I'm going to just tip it in? Can we talk about how messed up it is in general? Not necessarily related to this episode, but that there's no windows in casinos, so you don't mm -hmm. know when you spend entire days in there. It's mm -hmm. That's why. That's exactly why, is they don't want uh -huh. you to consider. There's no clocks. They don't want you to consider how long you've been in there for sure. And they play music all the time, and it's really well lit. Mm. Th that was a job mm. where I think I had to work, like, 12-hour shifts or, like, 10-hour shifts. and like So the people don't notice <laughs> shifts changing. <laughs> I've like got a doctor. I've gotten really lucky in that, like, I don't really have fun gambling with those type of games. But if I am forced to go to a casino with friends or whatever, I will sit at the penny slots and drink the free drinks and just do that yeah. the whole time. And talk to the waitresses. <laughs> I think it's such a slippery slope because you can intellectually understand that this is set up to mm. psychologically hit on parts of my brain that are going to make me want to do it over and over. And this it's statistically set up that I will lose. Mm -hmm. And yet. That's part of it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <It's> cyclical. <laughs> and yet we're still on social media and it's set up the exact same way. Mm. Bam. Bam. <laughs> Thank you, you for know the it, serotonin. And you click the notification anyway for this podcast. <laughs> Don't do it. Stop watching. Don't no, no, listen. Back, back, Turn back, it back. off. Go no. outside. Look at trees. Just look at them. Come back. Come back. Yeah, we went out of business because Becca kept discouraging people from watching our content. <laughs> 
Um, Sorry. We, we called it the Royale of a move. <laughs> but anyway, foreign investors came in and took over. So, um, so we go to the front desk. We check in, uh, and we get a very melodramatic scene with the with the bellboy. And for like the first thirty seconds, I was like, "What is happening? This this, this <clears throat> episode can't be this bad." And then I was like, "Oh." That's part of what's going on is that it's so silly and so ham-handed that, okay, I, I get it. But I, for a minute, was like, I am hating this episode with every second that passes. <laughs> but I love Rita, and Mickey D can't stop me. He doesn't know what a woman wants. Mm -hmm. McDonald's has been around for 30 years at this point, but, like, no one calls it Mickey D's. But, like, I couldn't help but think that, like, Ronald McDonald was going to show up later in this episode. <laughs> this is the turning point where people started calling it Mickey D's. Uh-huh. This was it. This is culture being written. The bellboy's in love <laughs> with Mickey D's girlfriend. Is that right? I can't. I didn't quite. Uh, Rita is her own woman. Well, but, but oh, right. For some reason, they're fighting over her. Like, are they both interested in her? Like, I can't remember. Actually, do we even see Rita? I don't know. We never we, yeah, Rita's Rita. talked about but never shown. Tell, don't show. <laughs> no, that's right? not a good Todd, example. Todd, the writers, Todd Matthews. Tell, don't show. Number one rule. <laughs> <laughs> Methane is pig farts. Tell, don't show. The right, two... Right. Post-it notes on Becca's wall. <laughs> my wall of ideas. Let me consult my notes. <laughs> it's true. So honestly, like the reason I'm having trouble recapping this is because we just spend so long wandering around in here. Like we, we meet these mm -hmm. characters. Uh, the Texan is a sleaze. The woman that he's seducing apparently has a husband that she's squandering his fortune. They do tell and not show us that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think so. And then, like, pretty much they just keep asking oh. for help. Like, what a weird. Well, yeah. Data gets a life sign on his um, tricorder, and he's like, oh, there's a human. We must go upwards. And so, my favorite line is when they're going to the elevator and they push the button and it doesn't immediately open. And Worf is like, it must be malfunctioning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's like they don't understand what past was, technology is. Or mechanical components. Right. It's like if we yeah. got on a wagon right now, we're like, where's the ignition? Right. <laughs> right. I don't understand how to turn this thing on. Also, Data, you could have mentioned with your life sign reader on your tricorder that he was 200 years dead and yeah. there was no heart. He said it was a trace of human DNA. And I was like, wait, you're in a hotel casino. Do not go look at the DNA oh, in the hotel don't casino. Don't go looking for the DNA. No, you're going to need a blacklight in these hotel rooms. Oh, they have the tricorder. It has that setting. I, I hope it just does have a blacklight, but not like a sensor, just so much as an actual blacklight. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, be yeah. surprised if they used that on set for a, an effect. <laughs> True. But they do find a hotel room, and it has a really old corpse that nobody cleaned up. They just put underneath the sheet in the bed. Classic Vegas. Well, the author of the book didn't write about the housekeeping staff. Therefore, the aliens don't know to recreate them. Right. And what happens in Vegas never gets interned in Vegas. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's where we find his spacesuit hanging up in the closet. Yeah. Did he decide to die naked in his bed? I guess so. Like, did he just go to sleep and die? Is that what he said? Like, he's like, I'm going to go rest. And the, the characters are so cliche. This will be like a welcome embrace or something like that. This is this is a terrifying idea, though. There's something about it that is a kernel of a really cool idea. Because he writes in his a diary. A kernel of a really good idea. 
Yeah, because um, an alien life form found this U.S. spaceship in year 2037, and it accidentally destroyed everyone on the ship. Oops. Besides him. <laughs> oh, oops. Heavy-handed. Our bad. And so they were like, ooh, well, what do we do with this guy? Let's put him in a prison of uh, this one piece of material, <laughs> reading material we found on their ship, which is this cheesy novel, Hotel Royale, and then they recreate it, which is kind of like the, the Jean-Paul Sartre play No Exit. <laughs> it's like a hell where you're reliving we these characters over and over. It's like the definition of purgatory. Like and waiting for Godot? Yeah, yeah. Really interesting concept buried deep within very poor execution <laughs> it's, it's similar to it reminds me of space odyssey right so in the sure. in 2001 at the very end the uh spoiler if you haven't seen it in 40 years uh you know he uh dave the astronaut is in like this very human-like environment that's because the aliens have tried to recreate something familiar to him and so that's that's mm -hmm. like that's their apology the aliens apology for making this virus that killed uh the colonel's crewman is just like well you get to live in this bad novel now <laughs> I don't blame my benefactors, but they are torturing me for all eternity. <laughs> right. These characters are so cliche, I want to kill myself, is what came out of that diary <laughs> yeah. entry. Yeah. But to be fair, like if we were to flip it and have it be the Enterprise as the entity coming across an alien life form that was alone, struggling, and you only had like a few clues, I could see them creating something like this. Like, okay, let's look at the interior of their ship. Let's look at any clues that we have to create a safe environment for this alien life form that we know nothing about. And what else can we do? The story, actually, this I, I kind of like the idea of what this story is, right. which is that astronaut gets lost in space. His crew dies from an alien virus. The alien feels bad and creates a purgatory for him to live in that it thinks is cool but truly isn't i'd kind of want to see a little bit of what this guy had to go through that was so torturous the characters right. were cliche and annoying but then the viewer just gets to sit through cliche and annoying as opposed to like a like an adventure of some sort or like yeah. the cliche being a problem i think what you're hitting on is how we would remake this episode mm. i think we would start back in the year 2037 and we would see this character trapped in this thing and then we'd find our protagonist discovering his body but everything we find interesting about this episode is read to us in a journal entry yeah, yeah. and i don't, I don't <laughs> think star it. trek ever like goes back in time they always kind of stay in the 24th century i mean unless they're time traveling obviously well, but, yeah. but but like i wonder if like it isn't better to have him like alive and acting different than everybody else in the environment like everybody's clearly cliche mm -hmm. and corny and uh, ham-handed right but then there's this lunatic old man who's running around trying to stop it all and get out and they like that chase could have been him. interesting yeah like there Th then we have a mystery that we really want to solve as opposed to just like wandering around and asking the hotel manager questions like <laughs> right then it's like jumanji 2 <laughs> <laughs> well help me get me out of here oh wow this is jumanji <laughs> kind of well it, that's the thing is that you have to play the game finish the game and you're free <laughs> yeah they did they they made 12 million dollars um, Easy. But the, the one thing that we're missing in and what everybody will be missing going forward is the novelty of them appearing in our era for this. Because if you take it into the context of this airing in like 89, 90, them appearing in this casino is very much seeing what, what you would see in a casino of the time. 
So for us, it's looking back at like what it was it like at the late 80s and, and the 90s. It's just another time period, like the 60s or going to the 20s or whatever. But the novelty of it being right here and now and seeing those characters, especially at the time when, you know, conventions were such a niche thing and you didn't really see characters interacting with, you know, going to McDonald's or <laughs> why did McDonald's whatever it is the forefront of your mind I can't I can't imagine why Mickey Mickey D <laughs> what if this was secretly sponsored by McDonald's they didn't tell anybody it was, it was. subliminally <laughs> well then are they saying when they made this episode that this time period is representing the 90s because it was an old book sitting on the ship or they could have made it represent theoretically 2037 when the astronaut left earth right it feels like it's like a 60s 70s type story but then they just put them in 80s kind of clothing like the mm. the whole mickey d killing the bus boy or the uh bus boy was not a bus boy bellboy bell bell thank you <laughs> killing the bellboy in the lobby with a gun like just in the middle of everything and i know the story is supposed to be bad so whatever but like that felt very 1940s even like there's, oh, maybe, there's a yeah. bunch of different like kind of period games being played here i feel mm, that's maybe too much credit too it's just yeah. they well, said that, whatever that's probably true. <laughs> when the story's bad how about we phaser slice time and space and create a vacuum <laughs> that y'all can step through you will cryogenically freeze and technically die because you'll have 12 seconds to get back on the ship in your cryogenically frozen form and then the doctor can defrost you does that sound good you'll get better <laughs> was that pulaski's entire contribution to this whole episode which was that they'll bring so. into the conference room. She's like, well, we could do this, but you'll have 12 seconds to freeze to death. Damn it, Actually, Jake. Data said 12 seconds. She just said, yes, <laughs> it's cryo freeze. That's true. <laughs> Jake, she is a doctor, not a physicist, okay? Not, I'm not slamming the best her. That I'm slamming her <laughs> lack of participation that. in this whole thing. <laughs> Uh, well, also, I feel, bad. Medical. I feel bad for Picard and Troy this whole episode, too, because Picard is just... They had to read the book. <laughs> <laughs> they were the Greek chorus, in a way, or, like, the, the audience reacting to this weird play happening. Were they? Because they couldn't see anything, and they just kept asking questions. They became the Greek chorus, I guess, kind of at the end when they could tell them what was going on yeah. based on their story they read. But, like, everything else was just Picard being like, so what's happening? So what's going on now? Have we heard from them? That's Georgie, true. what does this say? How much they ammonia? They could have had a B-plot. <laughs> oh yeah. And gosh. the B-plot was Rita and Mickey D and the bellboy. Yeah, like it was. It just so wasn't interesting. Like that's the whole thing about even the solution to this, which is the, which is what Riker figured out, which is well, we just need to take we just need to take the role of what this is. They don't really get into anything. It just happens around them. And mm -hmm. in the end, we do like some dice rolls, and it's okay. It's fun. We won a, a million dollar, uh, twelve million dollars, and we'll just buy the casino, which is also kind of sad. Like that casino Wait, just on. got cleaned out. Yeah. How does a business transaction work in this time? <laughs> Who knows? Sir, we don't have enough money for to pay you out. Great. Then we buy you. It is bought now. It's like Trump Pension. claiming space. Again, it's like the, ba the, the book is so bad they can excuse it, right? right? So it's like it gives us license to just clean this episode up real nicely. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, but hold on, hold on. We have to be true. It's like you can't deviate from the timeline when you time travel. When you go into a novel plot, you have to be true to the characters as they were written. And these foreign investors were flamboyantly generous. <laughs> Make right. it so. And that was so Riker's Riker. like, I gotta, I gotta get it everywhere. I gotta spread all this money. Horny on Main. Horny on Main. There it is. Okay. <laughs> there I it see is. It. Spread a seed. Hey, I like that. Um, to close the deal, he says, "Consider it a done deal." 
and then they walk out <laughs> and that's it <laughs> the business <end>. business done <laughs> yeah the, like i i liked parts of what this episode was trying to do picard's reaction to reading a dark and stormy night was hilarious mm-hmm. it like yes. physically pained him to say those words out loud <laughs> like patrick yeah. stewart is so good at still like delivering despite not really having much to do <laughs> true so great yeah and this is another like sort of exploration because in next gen the holodeck as a concept is still a relatively new thing for the writers and in uh original series there was that uh, there was like a gangster 1920s episode but they excused it as a whole planet evolved around like the 1920s gangster culture of earth and this was okay well it wasn't a whole planet but it was aliens that tried to do something and this is making that bubble of using those set and costumes i think once we get into the rhythm of like okay the holodeck is the place to do this then they get better at like what stories can we tell within the framework of these amazing sets and somewhat extras yeah yeah it's hard to say the rules are this is bad and then make something good yeah (laughs) um hey you guys remember when data is at the poke the craps table and baby needs a new pair of shoes <laughs> he has these physical mannerisms that make me want to marry brent spiner yeah. it's like okay now i'm in gambler mode yeah. and he like uh flicks his wrist cocks his head winks and throws the dice in such a mechanical and sexy way you know what i'm talking about it was great Worth rewatching just that clip. I'm gonna make a gif. No, I'm not. I feel like if like RPG shows were popularized back then, like Brent Spiner would have been an all star. Oh yeah, he he is like the ultimate role player as Data because Data gets to take so many experiences that he's trying to uh, recreate into the human lifestyle that he just gets so into it. Mm-hmm. And Brent Spiner like does it every time. It's so fun. Yeah, I'm it's having so believable. deja vu because I think I already told you this, but you know that Brent Spiner was a guest on Amy Vorpal's RPG. show show on yeah. Felicia Day's channel yeah. and okay I did tell you this and he said I'm nervous I've never role played before incredible <laughs> and Amy was like what are you talking about <laughs> I did a similar thing with um, Curtis Armstrong and he he also had never played D&D before and so we sat down and once we started playing he was like oh this is improv and it's like oh yeah I mean Xander you and I worked on relics and rarities and yeah. most of the celebrity guests on there were always just like I don't know what we're, what I'm doing so please and we were like you're gonna have a great time and they all did and it was just Every like time. relax and just just go along with it there's like it's a funny moment. How intimidating it is, right? Yeah. Be in character. Go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like these people have been acting all their career. All I gotta do is just do it with uh, not a costume on. It's pretty simple. Right. <laughs> oh, also I did have in my notes. We glossed over it, but O'Brien did make an appearance. Just wanted to say. <laughs> yeah. Why? I don't know. <laughs> there was some interesting. Uh, also in my notes, there was some interesting math in this episode because I think Data gives some bad gambling advice. The one that I noticed, or the one that I didn't notice that uh, the wiki moat mentioned was that he told um, the woman to stay on like a, was it like mm-hmm. a 13 or something? And like the right. better is to hit. But then also Riker and he were at the craps table. And this one I know definitely from being a D&D player. And Riker says, you know, the chances of getting a seven are no better than getting a six. I was like, that's absolutely mm-hmm. not true. Not true. Mm-hmm. Seven's the most common number in 2D6. We all know that from, you know, yeah. firing match. Machikoro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Any game where you roll two dice. Trained. D6s. Uh, did you guys notice that the bellboy, when he was shot, had no wound or blood of any kind? No. I think the bellboy suit was a rental. 
<laughs> I feel like Star Trek wants to be very careful with its violence and like where they disintegrated people last season. And actually, they disintegrated uh, what's his face is Reva's chorus in this episode. Oh, right. Season two. This I feel season. like they kind of want to still make it somewhat of a family show. So like a bullet wound might be a little much, but I'm not sure because w what happened when because it wasn't crushers or somebody shot in the last time we had like a. The gangster. Yeah, someone they, was someone was shot in that, wasn't it? I don't remember there being blood in that either. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was Crusher because like it grazed her or something mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like I noticed that too. Of like they kind of want to stray away from like too graphic of violence, mm -hmm. but they still will do it. <laughs> right. It, that's the funny thing about violence in the eighties and nineties. It's like, well, we don't want to show violence, but anyway, here's a guy shooting another guy. Right. So, <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing with uh, violence is never taken as seriously as sex is in right. any context well, in our rating in, in America. If you're going to show violence, then you need to show the consequences of violence, right? Because if you show violence without consequences, it gives people the idea that it doesn't have the same consequence, right? Mm hmm. 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 Deep. Too deep for this episode. Too deep for wow. this episode. <laughs> I'm trying to decide which political thing to equate this with, but there's just too many, so I can't, and my brain's exploding. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, it just canceled go. itself out. <laughs> well, this episode was fine. I really yeah. disliked it in terms of its uh, placement in this uh, season, and I would just prefer it got removed. Uh, I am <laughs> going to run it as a Call of Cthulhu scenario. It's a I good scenario. Bad. It episode. is a good role playing game uh, scenario. It's a good one shot yeah. of like they have to figure out what's going on and play along with the plot. It is definitely a good idea for like a DM who needs something to do. I'm just like I'm just gonna put all these wacky characters in a casino and they got to figure out how to get out because there's no exit and the, the way to get out is to buy the casino. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag no exit. Hashtag Estelle. <laughs> How many hashtags are we going to have in this display? I don't know, but I played Estelle in my I, uh, a production I put on while in college. It wasn't a college production. Ah. Yeah. I like and, the demotion. Um, our venue had no air conditioning in the middle of summer in Kansas City, so it was like 112 degrees inside. It's hell. Hell is other people sitting next to you in a hot room. <laughs> hell is the royale. There we I are. just hope no. See, the astronaut in 2037 took this book with them on the shuttlecraft. And it's just like, why mm. did this book get brought? You guys are astrophysicists. Bring something different. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if any, like, if any, um, astronauts are out exploring deep space. And, you know, sometimes they take archives of, of, um, like relics from Earth, so maybe they take an episode of um, the Next of Generation, the and to if they take watch. this one, or to boldly watch. But if they take this episode and then aliens recreate this oh, episode no. of TNG, it's like being stuck in a stuck in a time loop. <laughs> oh, what's our next episode? <laughs> Speaking of time loops. Our next episode next week is Times Squared. Oh. That's right. The Enterprise discovers a duplicate of Picard from six hours in the future. All right. This is future Jake saying engage. Engage. Engage? <laughs> engage. But I'm going to say the engage six hours in the future and then I'll we'll edit it back. back in. Oh, that makes sense.